Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just Had the Suffering Podcast with New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fam. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We're going to dive into the world of college basketball. March is here. We're going to spend the month going into the world of college basketball. We'll talk about why it's just college basketball only right now in a minute, but we'll start off the show in just a minute. We'll be joined by Zach Braziller of the New York Post. We're going to talk to Zach about the season as a whole. Some of his thoughts on the local teams, a lot of interesting angles on the local front. We'll talk to Zach about that in just a minute. And our resident college basketball guru, Troy Moriel, the host of the Seeing Red Podcast, he's also back. We're going to dive in deeper, talk some teams that are on the way up, on the way down, where the bid thieves could come from, the championship week, all that and more. If you like what you hear on the Just of the Suffering Podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Play. Just search for Just End the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform, and find all episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and star rating as well, helping the podcast even better going forward. So check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube, or video versions of the conversations with Zach and Troy. Those are going to be up on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. And while I start off here, dive into real quick, we're going to do a separate podcast on this. The fallout here from the failed negotiations to agree with CBA, the t- February 28th deadline came and went. We thought we had progress. They're talking until 2.30 in the morning last night. They extended to 5 o'clock today. At the end, no deal. Right now, the league has canceled the first two series of the season. They will definitely not be the last games getting canceled here. We're going to look into specifically what went wrong with this deal again in the podcast. But again, sad day for baseball. Very damaging. And there's a lot of anger right there right now. And... I have a lot to say later on. Again, we have a separate podcast in the feed because I still have to record that one. I want to get you this one in the feed as early as possible. But we're going to dive right in with our chat with Zach Braziller of the New York Post right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening chat. And here. All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, talking college basketball. Coming up close to March, join me today. He covers college sports for the New York Post. Great college basketball guy, Zach Braziller is here. Zach, how are you? Mike, how are you? Doing pretty good. Glad to be talking to you this year. And I got to say, it's been a very fun season, in my opinion. What have you thought about the whole college basketball year to date? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's been very entertaining. Um, you know, I think what makes it such a fun year is like, there really is no team that you can say they're going to win it all. Um, I, I think, you know, there are probably about eight to 10 teams that I think probably could, could be the last team standing. I don't think there's one team where if you told me they're not going to make the final four, I'd be shocked. Very different from last year where it was pretty, you know, I think everyone thought Baylor and Gonzaga were the, were the two best teams. Um, and that those were the last two teams standing. 
But to me, this year we're going in. It's a wide open tournament. You know, I mean, Gonzaga looks great right now, but you know they've been haven't really played anyone for two months. I know St. Mary's and San Francisco are good, but they're not they're not great teams. They're not playing any top twenty five. You know, real legit legit teams. Um, you know, I, I I think you got teams like Baylor and Kansas and Texas Tech in the Big Twelve. Um, the Big Ten's got some really good teams between you know Illinois and. You know, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan State, Purdue, obviously, uh, even Villanova and UConn and Marquette and Providence in the Big East. I mean, they're it's a wide open to me. It's just it's wide open. Yeah, I think it's a great point you made that this is a year where you mentioned last year. We basically we knew in mid January it's Gonzaga or Baylor or the field field win the championship, and we got Gonzaga and Baylor. This is you said like eight to ten teams that you think could make to win the title. Another couple of dozen you could see easily in the final four if they get hot. And, like, there's not even counting teams, like, down there, like, in Alabama, who's beaten great teams and lost to strange teams. So, like, this year, I feel like the tournament's going to be wild. Yeah, it's, I agree. I mean, and, you know, and look, it's going to be our first, you know, it, to me, it's going to be a real tournament. You know, last year we had limited crowds and um, Zoom access to players. And this year is going to be, you know, they're not going to be locker rooms open, but it's going to be real press conference. It's going to be more... You know, normal. Obviously, the numbers of COVID are, are way down. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a great tournament. It's going to be like the first real tournament in three years, which um, is definitely something I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. And obviously, we've been watching the season. There's a lot going on here. In terms of, like, you've checked out pretty much, like, all these big conferences. So, which leagues have impressed you the most thus far? I think, I think the Big 12 is the best league. I don't think there's any doubt. Like, I, you know, I mentioned before, you have, you know, to me, there's three legit Final Four caliber teams there in, in um, Kansas, Baylor, and Texas Tech. I think the SEC is number two. You can make the argument the two best teams in the country in the SEC with, you know, with Auburn and Kentucky and Arkansas has just been phenomenal of late. Um, you know, Alabama is a team that, you know, to me, could make the final four or lose in the first round. They're a wide, you know, they just have a wild resume. So I, I would go SEC two. I think then you have the Big Ten and the Big East. The Big Ten probably the slight edge. Um, I know metrics wise they're a little better than the Big East, but I think it's pretty close. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the Big Ten and the Big East are right there as number three. And to me, it's a huge march for the Big East. You know, the Big East to me has had a really good year. It's really deep. You've had some real big surprise teams with Creighton, Providence, and Marquette. But the Big East needs to have a good march. You know, the Big East, since the, you know, they, they created the new league, hasn't ever had more than two teams in the Sweet 16. I think they're going to get seven teams in the tournament, which is a great ratio. Seven of 11 is, is obviously fantastic. But they need, to, they need to do well in the tournament. They need, to me, at least to get three, three of those seven into the second weekend, and I think they will. Yeah, and I think the team at the biggest that fascinates the most is Providence because this is a team that was not very high. People were not very high in the beginning of the year. They are in position to win the Big East regular season title for the first time ever. And it's like sort of a classic college team where Ed Cooley has a bunch of older players we're getting together. There's no real NBA prospect on it. I think it's fascinating to see what they do in the Big East tournament and the uh, March Madness itself. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Providence is a very interesting team. You know, they, I think I saw a stat that said, you know, Ken Palm has this luck metric. Metric, and they're the, the history of Ken Palm. They're the second luckiest team of all time. Um, you know they've had a lot of good fortune. Let's be let's be fair. They have. You know they 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 beat a um, they beat Seton Hall without Seton Hall was only had seven guys because of COVID. 
They they won at Wisconsin without Johnny Davis. Um, they beat UConn without Adama Sonogo. So they have had some good fortune. I don't think there's any doubt. But this is a team that just finds ways to win. You know, they don't they don't blow anyone out. They just they just they play these really close white knucklers and they find ways to win. And you know, I think there's two ways to think about them. There was one that all right, it, it's gonna run out. You know, their 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 luck is gonna run out. They're gonna get in the tournament. They're gonna get a bad bounce or something. Or you know, you kind of look at them and say, it's just what a really good team does. They just they're just it's a skill that they just know how to win. You know, I I'm, I think I'm kind of in the middle. I do think you have to give them credit for how they've found ways to win. There's no doubt. They just make winning plays. You know, Jared Bynum has just been phenomenal. After last year, his first year at Providence, after coming over from UMass, he was just, you know, at best mediocre. But he has just been so good hitting big shots. But I also do think there is some good fortune to this too. You know, I, I think they're going to be a Sweet 16 team, but I don't think they're probably better than that. You know, look, they, they have about a 45 in Ken Palm. I think they have like a, around, around 30 in the net. For a team that's 23 and 3, those are really, really low numbers. So I do think, you know, to summarize, I do think some of it's good fortune, but I think some of it's being a really good team. And I think they're, they're going to win a few games in the tournament, but I don't think, like, I don't think they're an elite team. I don't think they're as good as their record says they are, but they are a good team. Yeah, they absolutely are a good team. I noticed that one league you not mentioned the best conference is the ACC, and I agree with you there because this might be the worst ACC I've ever seen where, yes, Duke's a national title contender. Wake Forest is good enough to make the tournament. Notre Dame probably will make a tournament, but beyond that, I mean, a lot of these teams are sort of mediocre, beating out by each other. Duke's been generous, giving away some wins in the league to help the bubble cause here, but what do you think about the ACC from what you've watched this year? It's, I mean, it's not even this year. I mean, the ACC wasn't good last year. It's really been trending down the last few years. Duke is very good. I, I find it funny when you have certain bracketologists, I'm not going to, you know, name them, that clear, you know, clearly like, are doing the ACC's bidding with like five or six teams in the tournament, which to me is just, you know, I find it ridiculous. <laughs> it's not a good league. It's not. You have one good team, and then you have a bunch, you know, three or four mediocre teams, and then a bunch of bad teams. You know, it, it's funny how you're going to have both the Big East and the ACC tournaments in New York City in a few weeks, and the ACC is going to be the JV tournament. I tweeted it. It's not even a joke. It's, it's true. It's it's just it's amazing what has happened. You know, we all thought this was going to be the Super League when all those Big, D, Big East teams went, and all those Big East teams have fallen flat. You know, Notre Dame, you know, hasn't been good. Syracuse hasn't been good. Pittsburgh's a mess. Uh, Louisville is obviously a mess, although I'm sure – Louisville is such a good program. They, you know, they get the right coach in there. That'll be fine. Um, you know, it's the league is just, you know, North Carolina is um, obviously struggling. They'll probably make it um, just because of the name. And, but it's just, it, you know, it is what it is. It's just not a good league. I, I would make the argument that the Mountain West and the WCC are just as good, if not better, than the ACC. Yeah, I was joking with somebody off the air, a friend of mine, and talk about the bid thief potential. I said, this could be a league, honestly, if Duke or Wake Forest not win the league, you'd have a bid thief come out of the AC, which I never thought would be possible. Oh, oh yeah. No, I mean, it's, look, I still I still say they'll probably get four, probably four to five just because, look, the bubble is weak. Miami does, you know, have a decent resume, so I do think Miami probably makes it. But, yeah, it's, look, it's – it is. It's a. It amazes me at what 
you know, what this league is. I remember the last time they were in New York City, I forgot, it might have been 2018, maybe 2019. The last time they were here, the ACC was the tournament that everyone cared about. And the Big East was kind of the JV, was the was the other tournament. And now this year, it's it's the opposite. It's just, you know, it's just, it's incredible to me what some of these programs that left the Big East have become, especially Pittsburgh and Syracuse, because these were top flight programs, you know, years ago. And they've just, absolutely fallen flat. I mean, Syracuse has had a few remarkable runs in the tournament, but they haven't really had a good regular season in a long time. They've just snuck into the tournament and, you know, and the, their devil magic somehow gets them to the second weekend. But if you look at it, they really haven't had a good regular season in quite a while. Yeah, I agree with that. I want to talk to some of the locals here. And obviously one team, even though the bubble's week, that's not on it is St. John's because they have not won enough games in the Big East. They didn't have a good non-conference schedule. You've seen a lot of St. John's. What went wrong for them this year? It's funny. I'm I'm in the I was in the middle of working on on my what went wrong for St. John's story <laughs> right before the Zoom. You know, I talked to a bunch of coaches, a bunch of analysts. That's going to run in Sunday's paper. You know, I think there are a few things. Clearly, the the, the transfers they brought in weren't weren't as good as people thought. Now, Aaron Wheeler has been really good in lead play. But aside from him, they just have not got any consistency. Joel Soriano, who, while he's been getting better, doesn't really fit. And he, you know, he's kind of been up and down. Um, you know, the two guys I thought would really help them as shooters, Steph Smith and Tariq Colbert, haven't really carved out roles for themselves. Montez Mathis fits the way they want to play, but he's just too up and down offensively. He's not a good shooter. He's not great finishing around the baskets. And so it's just put so much pressure on, on Julian Champagne and Posh Alexander. And they've, you know, to me, they've been good, but they haven't quite been good enough. You know, when, when they came back, you thought St. John's has two of the top five players in the league. And they really haven't been that. You know, Julian has struggled some against the better teams in the league. Posh, his jump shot has not come along as, you know, you would hope. And while he's still so good at everything else, it's tough when you're a six-foot guard and you can't really shoot. Um, when you look at the, what look at the high major play, overall the biggest issue for them though is down the stretch because they've been in so many of these games. They really, you know, they they've only gotten blown out a few times. They they got blown out of Creighton, you know, at Villanova, kind of they got they got they got manhandled. But really, other than that, they they lost a you know a, a they lost a tight game at home to Seton Hall. They lost a tight game at home to Providence. They lost a tight game on the road and at home to UConn. I mean, right there, those are four games where if you win two of them, they're right in the mix. You know, instead of 15 and 12, you're 17 and 10, and you're right there. And, and the big problem is they really – they don't have a good half-court offense. They don't run a lot of sets. They kind of rely on one-on-one stuff. And in these close games down the stretch, the games slow down. You're not getting a lot of transition opportunities. And, you know, that – to me has really been their biggest issue. They just can't close out games. And it's frustrating because look, they're three and five in games decided by five points or less. And those three wins are DePaul, um, Monmouth. I know Monmouth's had a nice year, but still the three wins are DePaul, Monmouth and Butler. So they've lost narrow games. So they've lost, they're basically lost some narrow games to teams. They really, the games they really needed. And, you know, they they have two good league wins at Xavier and at Seattle Hall. Those were both basically blowout wins. So they really have just 
cannot win a close game over a quality team. And if you can't do that, it's really hard to have a good season. Yeah, I've talked to them quite about to Troy Morial from the Seeing Red podcast quite a bit about St. John's. And one thing he's pointing out to me, I think is interesting, is that their non-conference schedule was so poor. They only played, I think, three high major programs. They didn't get in a MTE event. And you wonder maybe the fact they're struggling in these close games is the fact that they did not really get themselves like battle-tested out of the league. I don't think it's helped, no doubt about it. Um, you know, they, they did, you know, play play in Indiana. That was a close loss. You know, it's hard to even count. You know, they lost to Pitt, which was brutal, even though Champagne didn't play. And it's hard to really even count that because Pitt is so, such a bad team. So they really played two high-level teams. And even, you know, might be a stretch to even include Indiana as a high-level team. They really played one elite team in, in, in the non-conference and got, and got blown away. Um, this is a team that has played better lately, you know, but they put themselves in such a position where playing better late in February isn't going to get it done. You know, I mean, I, I really, I go back, you know, to me, the, the, the games that, that really are going to, they're going to look back and, and just agonize over are Providence at home, Providence on one day of rest after a huge win at Marquette, a game where St. John's really should have won. Um, Seton Hall at home, where C- where Aiken wasn't there, you know. Two days later, St. John pressed, you know, pressed Seton Hall at will and beat them, blew them out. But they didn't press them in the, the, the Saturday game at the Garden, which was a huge mistake. And then UConn at home, even without Posh, was a game they really had to win. UConn did not play well; they were on one day rest too, and just the game with St. John just threw away. I mean, so you know, you know, like I said before, if you have two, three more of those wins, and to me, those are. Those are games you really ha- had to win. I mean, they're right there in the mix uh, in the tournament. And that's that to me is the story of their season. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also want to give credit to Rutgers right now because Rutgers, I think three weeks ago, you, you and I both know they were nowhere near the bubble after all those bad losses they had early season. Then before ranked opponents in a row, they're basically right now, if not in like right on the bubble safely in the field in some people's eyes. So I think it's just crazy seeing what Rutgers has done over the last month to basically put themselves right in the tournament mix. Yeah, it's look, it's it's been a bizarre year for them. Um, some just just terrible losses, lost by like seventeen at Penn State. They you know lose at home to Lafayette. They lose at UMass, who's one of the worst teams in the A ten. And they and then like you mentioned, they you know they beat Michigan State, they beat Ohio State, they beat win at Wisconsin. Um, beat Purdue, just some phenomenal wins. You know, they're they're gonna be a really tough team to judge on selection Sunday. They need to beat Wisconsin Saturday. Um, they really need to at worst split their last two, which I believe is home Penn State. And there's a road game. I forgot I it's a winnable it's a very winnable road game. I forgot who um I forgot the uh, the road game, but you know, if they could Go to go two and one here and win their first Big Ten game. I think they'll probably get in. They might end up in Dayton, but I do think they can get in. Um, you know, it, it, there are a few things about Rutgers that you know kind of intrigue me. I mean, Cliff Omarudi and Paul Mulcahy really kind of emerging the last month has kind of changed that team. Now the problem is they still really don't have much depth. You know, they need their starters to play really well to beat to beat a quality team. I know Dean Reber has been better of late and helped them, but still, they need those guys to play well. But 
these are, you know, the, the emergence of Mulcahy, you know, Mulcahy and Omaruri has really given them a really, really good starting five. You throw in Baker and Harper um, and, and McConnell, who's had a terrific year as one of the best defenders in the Big Ten. So they are a team that could beat anyone. Now, the whole thing is they really have only, only have one win of note away from home. So, you know, if the NCAA tournament was played at the rack or, you know, Jersey Mike's Arena, which they call it now, then yeah, they could probably make the Sweet 16. But the problem is it, it's been something Rutgers dealt forever. Where they're just not a good road team. And they did win at Wisconsin. I actually thought they played pretty well at Purdue and lost. You know, Purdue is obviously a terrific team. Then they went to Michigan and lost a really bad game. Um, you know, so now they're now, you know, that's the that's the one thing that's working against them is they have a lot of bad losses and they really are not a good road team. I do think they get in, but they can't afford to go something like one and two down the stretch and lose their first Big Ten game. I think that would be playing with fire. But I do think as long as they don't fold here late, I think worst case they'll probably – worst case is they in, and then best case is probably like a 10 or 11 series. Yeah, I did look up the schedule while you were talking here. The one road game is on Wednesday at Indiana. It's a big bubble game for both of those teams. That's – yeah, that's a, that's a harder game than I actually realized. Um, yeah, that's – that's a huge look, especially if they don't beat Wisconsin. That's a huge game, you know. Um, that's the kind of win that probably would would would, would get them in no matter what. Um, but yeah, look, they're hey, if someone would have told Rutgers fans a month ago, hey, you'd, you'd be right there on the bubble, and you just got to find a way to be, win at Indiana, I think they'd be pretty happy to take that. Oh, for sure. And I want to take a couple teams I think are going to be in the tournament here. We'll go to UConn, obviously, they had a big win earlier this week over Villanova, and. Probably their biggest win in a while under Dan Hurley. Like they'd gotten, they'd raised the floor, but that was a win that sort of raised the ceiling a little bit. And they have a good roster. Obviously, no book night this year because he's in the NBA. But like, what do you think they can do in March? You know, I, I think their ceiling is probably one win. Um, I don't think they're good enough offensively to do more than that. I just, I know they, I know they've they've had some good wins of late, but I, I just. To me, they're still not good enough offensively. You know, I know RJ Cole has been really good. I like Tyrese Martin. Sonogo is obviously a really good big. They defend. They're long. They're athletic. I just, you know, to me, they're going to face a team in the second round that is just going to be too much for them to just be too much for them. I think they'll they'll probably get a five or six seed. That 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 would be my guess, barring a huge run in the Big East tournament. I just don't – I, you know, I, I said all summer I thought they needed another perimeter score. I thought they should have went in the portal and got one. They – you know, if, if Tyler Pally doesn't hit threes, they don't they really don't have enough outs, don't have enough offense outside. I do think they'll win a game in the tournament now. Not to be like last year where they, you know, believe they were a seven seed and they got their blow, their, 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 their doors blown off by Maryland. I, I, I just think they're going to regret not going out and getting another score that could kind of take pressure off Cole. But I do think they're good, and I think they're only getting better. You know, he's recruiting great. Um, the Big East obviously really helps. I, I love what he's doing. I know people are have been on Danny about his histrionics, and I think he need, does need to calm down a little bit. But people need to remember what he inherited. This is his fourth year. He's going to make the tournament secretary year. He's bringing in top local recruits. You know, if I'm a UConn fan, I'm pretty happy with where his program is headed. Yeah, well, I go to Seton Hall real quick, too, because they were a team that started out this year. Gangbusters got in the polls. They pick up the big road wins at Michigan. Michigan was in the top 10. They beat Texas at home. 
the record win looks better. Then they had that little struggle when they came off the COVID pause and they lost a bunch of games. But I think that now they're kind of in the field. I feel like their kind of team's got to land that 8-9 game in the first round. Is that where you see them at this moment? Yeah, I don't, you know, barring a huge run, I don't see them doing better than that. They're probably not going to be much worse than that. You know, right now, I'm, I'm not – I'm not very high on Seattle. Hall. I, I, I just think without Bryce Aiken, they're just too limited offensively. And who knows what's going to happen with him. You hear a million things every week. Oh, he's good. He's, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. He just doesn't happen. So I really don't think you can expect um, to get him back. And look, they really haven't beaten anyone of note in a while. You know, since 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 they since they beat UConn, I, I know they did beat Xavier at home, but Xavier's a team that's really been, you know, crawling to the finish line here. You know, Seton Hall is going to be a tournament team based on their non-conference, and you know, you can go back. I, I was I was looking at like St. John's and Seton Hall basically have the same exact, um, you know, conference, you know, record. Basically, Seton Hall is one game better. Seattle has two really good league, you know, has two really good um, wins in the league. They beat UConn and, and Xavier. St. John's is two really good league wins in the league. The difference is Seattle all went and they had some really good non-conference wins. They won at Michigan. And say what you want, Michigan's still a bubble team. So that's a, still a good win. It's not great, but it's good. They beat Texas at home. Texas is probably, you know, a seven seed. They they went out and they, they manhandled Rutgers. And, you know, and Rutgers is a bubble team. So they have that non-conference record that really is, has lifted them up. It really is the reason they're making the tournament. They're not making it based on the Big East. Their Big East has been, you know, kind of mediocre. Now, we do have to note, they did lose to they did lose at home to Villanova and at Providence with seven guys. So that is one thing you have to say is maybe if they were at full strength or closer to full strength, they win one of those games, maybe you win both of them. If the game at home against Nova with seven guys, they almost won. So you figure if they had one or two more of their guys, they, they might find a way to win that game. But the bottom line is they're getting in because of their non-conference. Right now, they're, they're, they're finding ways to kind of hold serve here against weaker teams. But I, I haven't seen anything that makes me think they're ready to make a run of the biggest tournament or win a tournament game. They're just, you know, they, they play defense, they rebound, but they're just, they're just not good enough offensively to me to where you're going to go in and think they're going to win a tournament game. All right, the last thing I want to touch here is the best mid-major team in the area right now, which is Iona. And obviously, there was a little talk about them getting an at-large, but I think that went out the window and they lost the two league games in a row here. But they managed to win the auto bid, the MAC down in Atlantic City, and they get in the tournament. It's not that they're going to be at maybe up the 12 line here. Like, what do you think their chances are to pull an upset in the first round? Um, you know, I think it's decent. They're, especially if they can get a 12 seed. We all know about five 12s every year in the tournament. What I like about Iona is obviously the coach is tremendous. We all know that. They have high major size. They'll defend. Now they're not they're not a good offensive team. You know, they don't shoot it great from three. They don't have any guys when you watch like they're the clues teams were better offensively. They had more talent. Now the clues teams never defended you. That's why those teams would get in the tournament and get and get waxed. Iona is gonna defend. They're gonna probably play slow, although they can, you know, they, they do play fast at times in the league. They'll play slow, they'll defend, they'll rebound, they'll be in the game. So yeah, I look when when Rick Petito is your coach and you get guard and you, you have size, you got a shot. So I, I definitely think, um, you know, I definitely think they have a shot. Like let's put it this way: if, if you got a Xavier Iona matchup, could they win that game? One hundred percent. 
no question about it. Um, if you got, you know, if you if it, now if they played in Ohio State or someone, could they win that game? Maybe not. That might be too much too much talent for them to, to overcome. But I do think they have a shot to win. And and to me, Iona's the biggest local story here to the tournament. I, I really feel that way. Um, just because of just because of Patino and the fact that you know they almost they they really pushed Alabama last year as a two, you know as a 15 seed and obviously they're going to be a much bigger seed this year and you know kind of what what Patino says he wants to develop there where he kind of wants to make them to the Gonzaga of the East Coast and you know I mean if they can win a game here in the tournament that that would really be impressive and look I I fully expect them to get there I know the MAC tournament can be unpredictable but I just I think they had their little blip with those two two losses, I, I think they're going to be fine. I, I don't I don't think anyone in the MAC is beating them, especially because it's going to you know especially because be a neutral site. I mean, one thing if they were still playing the tournament in Albany and they were playing Siena, you know, in front of all the Siena fans, maybe that would be a little different. But the game's going to be you know it's it's going to be at Atlantic City. There won't be really much of a home court advantage for anyone. So I, I fully expect them to get there, and I think you know as long as they could. You know, play well. They'll probably be a 12 seeded. They'll have a shot to to win a game. Yeah, that was some fun yeah. down the stretch here for sure. Zach, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I can you find on social media, keep up with your coverage in the post. Okay, um, my Twitter it's uh ny post underscore z brazil. That's z uh, b r a z i l l e. Absolutely, and Zach, I'm looking forward to reading the story about why what went wrong for St. John's over the weekend. Thanks again for the time. <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, talking college basketball once again. A big cobble episode. We did a chat with Zach Braziller earlier in the podcast. Now I'm being joined by our chief college basketball correspondent, the host of the Seeing Red podcast, Troy Moriello is here. Troy, how are you? I'm doing well, Mike. Uh, pleasure to be on once again, talking college hoops. And as our patron St. John Rothstein would say, this is March. <laughs> this is March. It's, it's kind of fitting, you know, we're doing this on March 1st, right? It's, yeah. it's a, it's a good way to bring in uh, the best month of the year, in my opinion, and uh, certainly the best month in college basketball. Uh, looking forward to the next 30 something days. Uh, can't wait to get this, uh, this tournament started. Yeah. And this is the month of the Justin Sarian podcast. Troy comes the unofficial co-host of the podcast. We're basically, we're talking <laughs> every single week about college basketball. It's a lot of fun. Yes. Yes. Very excited for that as well. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun ride. It was, it was a fun ride last year for sure. And, you know, they, they, they call it March Madness for a reason. It's going to be a lot of a lot of epic games starting with the conference tournaments uh, next week. And then we get into the, the big tournament the week after that. So really excited to, to hop on again for a second year. Yeah, absolutely. And we got a little preview last weekend, especially on Saturday, because the first time ever, the top six teams in the AP poll all lost on the road. A seven Texas Tech fell as well. And literally... Just absolute insanity on Saturday. I mean, the polls, there was a little bit of a shuffling of the, of the deck a little bit, but nobody really moved in or out of the poll. But this goes to show you, this is going to be a really unpredictable tournament. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I think we might have said this the last time I spoke that, you know, last year kind of felt like there was maybe like two or three teams that could really could really win it all. This year, it feels kind of wide open. And you saw that on Saturday, like you mentioned, you know, with seven top 10 teams going down. We've never seen that in a day. Uh, you know, in, in the NCAA tournament, I don't think anyone's safe uh, as it's been in, in other years as well. You know, a one seed, a two seed doesn't really seem to matter. Uh, there's a lot of parity, especially at the top. 
uh, of teams that could get knocked off. So yeah, this year, especially more so than really any other year, I think it's really wide open, I would say for like 10 to maybe 15 teams that could win it all, which you can't say every year. And that just makes it even more exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to sort of touch on one thing. I sort of slipped through the radar here because between the Super Bowl and the lockout situation, I get a chance to talk about the top 16 seed reveal last week. And the NCAA did this a week later because they want to compete with the Super Bowl, which obviously makes sense. We got a lot of stuff information there. We had our top four seeds at the time being uh, Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, and Kansas. We had a couple surprise teams sneak in there. We had a couple surprise omissions. Houston normally did not get in the top 16. So when you saw mm-hmm. this, what did you take away from what we learned? Yeah, it's like you and I were talking. Like It seemed like they were really prioritizing you know, the metrics and the, and the quads and who had more uh, impressive quad one results. Uh, that's the, the biggest thing that I took out of it. Again, you know, it's just a preview, obviously, you know, they're going to, they're going to change it all. Uh, that was what, two weeks ago now at this yeah. point. Um, you know, it's not really a reflection of what selection Sunday is going to look like. It's just a good thing to talk about though. Um, but yeah, you know, the metrics and, and, and all that is, is always, I think more important to the, to the selection committee, which is good to see. Um, like you mentioned, nothing really uh, crazy surprising. I, I wouldn't say out of that. And, you know, it's, it's all going to change. It, it all probably changed in, you know, two days later. So it doesn't, it's not the biggest thing in the world, but uh, it was definitely interesting. And, and it was a nice little taste of what we're going to see, what we're going to see about a month from then. Yeah. I always watch that because I'm not as much paying attention to who the top 16 are because I was that fluctuate and those things probably mm-hmm. going to determine. Anyway, I always listen to what the selection committee chair says in terms of like what their guidelines are. The thing that jumped at me and glaring my rights was, Quad one wins, quad one wins. Providence and Wisconsin got higher seeds in their metrics in the game because they had good quad one wins. Kansas and Baylor, I think it's put them on the top of teams like Kentucky where the quad one wins. So that's what I always look for because mm-hmm. I can extrapolate it down to the bubble and say, hmm, if I'm down the bubble and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, have like a two and nine record in quad one, I should be a little concerned. Exactly. That can kind of give you a, a little bit of an insight as to where they're going to go for, for lower seeds or lower seeded teams, uh, what they're going to do at the top. One other thing that was interesting too was uh, Villanova being put in the in the region that could have had them playing uh, second weekend games in Philadelphia. That was really surprising as well. Um, and I believe they said that, that the reason why that was because the Wells Fargo Center is not technically their home arena. Um, we've never seen a team play that close to home in the second weekend. Uh, it would be interesting to see if it actually ends up happening with Villanova playing in Philly in the second weekend. Uh, I can't see them, even if it is technically allowed, I can't see them allowing Villanova to play what would essentially be home games in the Sweet 16 and possibly Elite Eight if it comes down to that. I do think they do it, though, because they said that at the time, it's like, you know, like we could be value geography and Jay Wright made sure he didn't schedule more than three games at the Wells Fargo Center this year. I think the previous two years, they play about like 14 there. So they know mm-hmm. they're playing by the rules and they know that the committee favors geography. I mean, we've seen it play out like unintended. I mean, Kansas is going to play in Kansas City a couple of years ago before they lost to Auburn in the second round. So it's not like unprecedented. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy to me, like a like a whole arena like that. Um, but you know, it, it's a good job by Villanova, right? I mean, you know, kind of kind of uh, messing with their schedule a little bit to play more of those games on uh, Finner and Pavilion on campus rather than playing at the Wells Fargo Center. It's a it's a good by, good job by them, and it could end up giving them a pretty big advantage, I would think, uh, if it does come down to them, they do get to play in Philly, you know, where they're playing. I would say, you know, again, basically a home game. Yeah, I also give them give the committee credit. I mean, I understand that, yeah, the first first two rounds, you want to put a team close to home, I get it, and you want to reward them for not having to travel as much. But, like, I think the second weekend, we saw this, I think, a bit back in 2014 when UConn somehow was the seventh seed had home court advantage, basically MSG in the uh, regionals. I ended up going on to win the national championship. Like, that to me bothers me because, like, if you're that close, you shouldn't be getting priority over a team that's higher seed than you. 
Exactly. Yeah. If, if you're going to give any, you, you really shouldn't be giving a lot of teams priority in the, in the second weekend. I would say you should try to lay off of that, but if you are going to do it, you want to do it for the higher seeds. Yeah. It's something like that. Uh, isn't, isn't exactly fair to anyone giving a, a lower seed like that. So hopefully we don't see that this year. Yeah, absolutely. And let's go talk a little big picture here in terms of some teams right now that are going in the right direction. So who right now, give me a couple of teams you feel like are playing really, really well to head to March. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to start. Well, I'm going to start first of all with, uh, with Providence, you know, I'm going to stick in the big Ten or big, big East, you know, I'm a big East guy. Um, they lost a couple of weeks ago to Villanova. They got the rematch of Villanova tonight, but credit to that man. First ever uh, Big East regular season title. Uh, Ed Cooley, in my opinion, and I don't even think this is a hot take. He's the coach of the year in college basketball for what he's done with that roster from where they were picked uh, to start the season to where they are now a top 10 team. Uh, like I said, team that's going to, that has won the Big East regular season title. Now the Big East is, is more of a conference tournament uh, title conference. I would say you remember the conference uh, tournament winners more so than the regular season winners, but that's a heck of an accomplishment for a, a Providence team that, you know, has not had all this history of winning big East regular season crowns. Uh, so that would be one for sure. Uh, you got to go with Arkansas as well. Right. I mean, what do they won 13 out of 14 or something like that. They uh, knock off Kentucky. They knocked off uh, uh, Auburn a couple of weeks ago as well. You know, it looked like their season was going to kind of go off the rails when they started uh, SEC play, I believe, 0-3. And, and then since then, they've just been on a tear. Uh, I didn't see that coming at all from them, but they've really, really turned their season around for, uh, for Musselman and those guys. So, And they're, they're, they look like they're headed towards, you know, a, a top uh, three or four seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and then I'm going to go with Baylor as my last one as well. What a what a 48 hours for, for Baylor, right, from uh, Saturday night getting that revenge on Kansas, doing a, a great job getting their win back there. And then on Monday night, they go uh, on the road against Texas, you know, in kind of a ugly, you know, like not great styled game, but they end up getting the win, uh, you know, two really nice wins in 48 hours for them. Kind of an underrated, under the radar team, I would say at this point, you know, it sounds kind of funny to say they're the defending national champs, but I don't know if they're getting like that national press that uh, maybe they were last year at this time when they were kind of one of two teams that could have won it all. But I think they're in the conversation for sure as a team that could, uh, that could certainly, you know, go back to back here. Uh, and they've kind of flown, in my opinion, they've kind of flown a little bit under the radar this season. Yeah. I'll throw three more out there in terms of teams that are on the way up. I think Tennessee also have the SEC. They've been trending the right direction for a little bit. I mean, they've won a lot. Only two losses over the last, I say, month and a half have been a one point of attack because they should have really come back and won that game. And then they lost mm-hmm. at Arkansas by 10. They stretch, they have wins against Auburn, win against Kentucky, they beat LSU, they beat Florida. They have some good good wins in there. Murray State out of the OVC, mm-hmm. I mean, they went undefeated in their contract, 28 and 2. Like, yeah. they're going to the tournament. Like, they got mm-hmm. in the polls. They're going in. That's going to be exciting to see them. And very quietly, Duke has won 10 of 11. The one loss came on a buzzer beating three by Royce Beekman. So, like, double mm-hmm. now, the levels are trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. They definitely are. They definitely are. And, you know, they got a big game coming up this weekend. I'm sure we're going to get to that in a second with, uh, you know, Coach K's final game. But Duke is absolutely, you know, in that conversation for a team that could that could win it all. I don't think that that's, you know, a, a crazy thought at all. And what, what a fitting end that would be, right, for, uh, for Coach K's uh, uh, final season to go out on top. I, it would just seem to make sense. And uh, Duke definitely has the, the manpower to do it this year. Yeah, one other one I'll throw out here. I forgot to mention them. I've said I did. St. Mary's out of the WCC. They, mm-hmm. Big win they, for them. Big win. Beacon Zaga. And they're a team that you do not want to see on the other side of you in the bracket. They are very dangerous. 
Mm-hmm. And we, we've talked all, all year about that conference, you know, how, how uh, impressive it's been this season. Yeah, what a win for them. I mean, they controlled that entire game against Gonzaga. That was really impressive uh, performance by them. And, you know, they, they certainly look like they're a team that, yeah, like you said, they're going to be a difficult for really any higher-seeded team to play. They're definitely a candidate, I would say, for someone that can, like, pick off uh, a higher seed in the, in, the, in the second round of the NCAA tournament. All right, let's go the other way. Who is going the wrong direction now as uh, March approaches? Give me a couple mm-hmm. teams. Uh, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick in. Uh, I'm gonna stick in the Big East again for this one. Uh, the Xavier Musketeers have just completely went the other way. They were ranked at one point this season. Uh, looked like you know I, they're still probably gonna be a tournament team, but looked like they would be you know uh, up there um, you know in, in maybe a top six seed or something like that. They've actually lost four in a row. They've lost six of seven. Uh, they lost to my St. John's team a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, then fell to UConn Providence and, and, uh, and Seton Hall at home over the weekend. Again, just a team that's, that's going way far in the wrong direction. They're probably going to, uh, to still be an NCAA tournament team. I'm not really seeing them on the bubble. They had a couple of nice wins in non-conference play. They knocked off uh, Ohio State in non-conference, which I think is going to help them a lot. The metrics love them as well. They're probably in, like I said, but they kind of ruined their chance at getting maybe a higher seed in the NCAA tournament. They kind of need to really finish this regular season strong. They have two winnable games against my St. John's and then against Georgetown. Go into the Big East tournament, try to make a little bit of a run in the Big East tournament to get some momentum for the NCAA tournament. Because right now, Xavier is, like I said, trending completely in the wrong direction uh, this season. And then the second team that I have is a team that was I would say trending completely the right direction a couple of weeks ago. And since then it's kind of gone uh, the other way again. And that's Rutgers Rutgers picked up four straight uh, uh, top 25 wins uh, unprecedented to do that. Now, obviously they weren't going to keep that up. They play in the big 10. It's an incredibly uh, tough conference, but just feels like a missed opportunity the last week or so for them uh, losing that game against Purdue falling at Michigan. And then a big missed opportunity this weekend against Wisconsin in a winnable game. Uh, I was watching that whole game. They, they had it. They had right there. That whole game. Should have, uh, could have closed it out. They could not do it. Uh, missed opportunity there. And now they go into a huge game. Uh, I believe it's tomorrow night against uh, at Indiana in what's like kind of a bubble elimination game in a way. I mean, the loser isn't out, but the winner is certainly going to be on the right side of the bubble. I'm seeing Rutgers in that like last four in first four out category. Uh, you know, it just feels like if they could have got maybe one of these last three games, they would be more securely in their non-conference is, is what kills them. Of course, they have those losses to uh, Lafayette and I believe UMass beat them as well. That's why, you know, they, they had so much work to do in the big 10 and they did a lot of work, uh, but they still have more work to do. And it just feels like a missed opportunity this last week after they had such a crazy run of, uh, of four straight wins over top 25 uh, uh, opponents before that. Yeah, I mean, they also did beat Purdue earlier in the season, which also helped them. But, I mean, you're right. I talked mm-hmm. to Zach Brazil earlier in the show about Rutgers, and he's correct to point out, like, they really cannot afford to go, like, more than, like, lose two games down the stretch. And they re- that was before the Wisconsin game they lost. I mean, you look at not even the ones out of the league. They also lost at the poll, which is not great. Yeah, in the uh-huh. league, they lost at Penn State. They lost at Minnesota. They lost to Maryland at home. They lost Northwestern overtime. Those are going to kill you. Yeah, they have one of the, the strangest uh, resumes that you'll see this season. Because like you mentioned, they have four or five just brutal losses, but then four or five really great wins. Uh, and that's what lands you really square on the bubble going into conference tournaments. Yeah, and Zach Rizal mentioned this game as well. I've got to point it out here too. Tomorrow night, Rutgers at Indiana, a huge game on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, almost an el- not necessarily an elimination game, I wouldn't say. But, man, the winner of that game is going to be in a great spot, and the loser of that game is going to have a lot of work to do 
Uh, if you're Rutgers, you're saying, man, we've, we've lost three straight. You know, we're going a little bit in the wrong direction, but we got a, a chance to really make it all up here and to put ourselves on the right side of the bubble going into the conference tournament if we can get a big road win over an Indiana team that is right on the bubble just like them. I'm going to throw a couple of teams out also, I think, whoever's trained the wrong direction. I think Auburn, obviously, the losses are not great, but the way they've like struggled on the road in the SEC is a little concerning. I'm throw them out here. UCLA has really kind of slid down the cliff a little bit because they were a point they thought they were number they're back in number three. You thought they were going to take off, mm-hmm. and now they've basically lost a game a week for the last few weeks and down to seventeen the polls. And Michigan State, prior to being Purdue, lost five of six, and that team has turnover issues, and that's going to be probably like a seven seed for Tom Izzo's team. And like I would not be surprised if they're one and done too in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I want to touch on touch on Auburn and UCLA as well. You know, Auburn they were never going to keep that run of play going. Um, but yeah, like you said, just the manner that they've lost these games, it hasn't really been all that inspiring. Uh, and UCLA, man, like I'm still high on them. I still think that they're a team that could could at least go to the final four and probably win it all. Um, but, you know, they just haven't looked great. Like you mentioned, they've lost some weird games, lost to Oregon uh, last week. They got a big game coming up this weekend, I know, against uh, against USC. But yeah, they just they just haven't like felt like they've clicked maybe as much as you would have liked them to all season long. That's why they're down to, I think, number 17 in the country right now. But I'm still high on UCLA. I still think, you know, they have that pedigree from last season. Uh, they know that they can do it in March. Uh, I, I still think that they, they should be considered among that group that can win a national title because uh, they just, they have the talent. They have the, the, the top dog that can do it in the NCAA tournament. Uh, despite their recent struggles, I'm still in on UCLA. Uh, maybe I'm on an island there. I, I just, I still like them. Yeah, I think I'm there with you. I do like them. Like, I, it's probably the only word I have with them is like, are they waiting to turn the light switch on? And then like, are they waiting too long to get themselves into prime form? Mm-hmm. That that's the that's the concerning thing. You're absolutely right. You know they did it last year, right? So maybe their mentality all regular season is like, hey, you know we weren't that great last year during the regular season. We turned it on in the NCAA tournament. Maybe we can do that again. But sometimes, as we know, that that switch doesn't turn so easily. So it'll be very very interesting to watch them their first you know game or two in, in uh, the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and you mentioned championship week earlier. We're gonna be back next week and talk about all the big conference tournaments here. But some of the little guys have started early. I mean. The WCC starts this week. OVC starts this week. Arch Madness is this week. And you got to watch some of these smaller leagues for potential for the bid thieves to come in here, especially if you're one of the teams on the bubble like a Rutgers, like a Michigan, Indiana. You're sitting there. You want as many of those teams that would steal your bids to take care of this at the conference tournament here. So, like, in terms of potential bid thieves, what leagues are you looking at? Yeah, well, it's uh, like you mentioned with, with uh, Murray State. You know, if, if someone could, could come in and knock them off because they're in, they're in the, in the tournament, as an uh, as an at large, so if someone can knock them off, that's you know one right there that would would kill uh, these bubble teams because because that's obviously a, a clear bid stealer, someone that was not going to go in. Um, you know some of these smaller leagues, um, I believe who is it? South Dakota State is is uh, unbeaten in league. You know if someone comes in there and knocks them off, that's one as well. You know th- these smaller leagues that uh, you know maybe aren't necessarily uh, you know that certainly aren't two bid leagues, but that have a team that has a clear you know, a uh, path to an auto to a, uh, at large bid, you want to, you want to avoid those. So yeah, those are the two big ones. And then, I mean, even looking at these bigger conferences, like the ACC, we've, we've, we've killed on the ACC all season long on this podcast. Like they're all so mediocre in that conference that I could see one of them going on a run and playing Duke in the final and picking off Duke in a one game situation and like stealing a bid there, you know, someone that was maybe on the bubble and kind of propelling themselves. Uh, I don't see any like Georgetowns or, or uh, Oregon States like we saw last year, 
but I could just weirdly see something like that with the ACC where something weird happens in that tournament because like we, we've said all season long, that league is just so average this year that it's going to be all these average teams battling each other with Duke at the top. Wouldn't shock me if, if, uh, if that type of scenario happened where, you know, you got kind of a, a, a team lower in that league making a run. Yeah, the ACC is one I definitely have circle on the calendar to like watch here because obviously Duke is in, Wake is in, Notre Dame probably is in. Then you're looking at mm-hmm. a big bubble sort of lower tier bubble teams of like Miami's probably in, North Carolina we complain about a lot. They don't actually do anything. They could actually get hot mm-hmm. and win this thing. Virginia Tech, Virginia, like all these want them to have a hot week and knock off Duke and then they're in, somebody else is out. Exactly. Yeah. And when, when, you know, the whole conference is kind of in that same zone, I would say it really comes down to, you know, one of them is going to get through to the final. You would assume Duke is going to get there. And then it comes down to a one game playoff, I guess, almost uh, to see if they can, you know, get that auto bid uh, like we've seen some teams do in the past in these bigger conferences. Yeah. I'll offer a couple other leagues out here too. I think the WCC, if Gonzaga or St. Mary's do not win, I feel like mm-hmm. that quasi a bit because San Francisco is definitely on the bubble. They're probably on the right side of it right now. They, Especially or BYU if they manage to get hot and win the thing, that's that, that's a bit taken away. Missouri Valley with Loyola Chicago not be not being in the top seed, they get to the conference final and lose. I think they are still going to get in because their resume is mm-hmm. good enough. I also throw out here Conference USA. I'm watching North Texas because they have been so down in the league that if they just get to their final and lose, I think they mm-hmm. could be strongly considered for an at-large bid. And the last and not least, the American because. Houston is in, then you have Memphis and SMU as true bubble teams. If one of them gets the auto bid, that's to take your spot away from someone. And one other two, the A-10. There's so many A-10 teams on the on the bubble or around the bubble right now. If one of them uh, can can win that conference tournament, steal an auto bid as well. Uh, yeah, you know that's another conference with a, with a bunch of teams that's like right at you know on the bubble, last four in, first four out. Uh, if one of them can can win that tournament as well, that's something else to to watch. Yeah, I think of the A-10, he's like Davis is probably the closest to an at-large bid. I think they probably would get one if they get like decently far into that tournament and lose. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they do have that. Mm-hmm. Win- I agree. They went that went over or Alabama on the road, which certainly helps. But I think like mm-hmm. talking about like Dayton, VCU, St. Bonaventure, there's a lot of talented teams in that lead that can make a run. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's that's actually going to be a really fun conference tournament because that's a lot of they got a lot of like decent, you know, like we said, bubble teams that uh you know are right there on the edge. So that'll be that'll be actually a really fun conference tournament. The A10 tournament is always fun, but that one will actually be really fun to watch. Do you know where it is this year? Because I know that the ACC took took Barclays this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Oh, uh, it might be in DC actually. I think it's in Washington DC. Uh, I'm not 100, percent but I'm like 90 percent sure that it's in uh it's in Washington DC. All right, so that's good. That's good to know because I know that Zach Rizzo made the point that, that the AC is coming here next week is the JV tournament, the Big East tournament, which yeah. is funny. <laughs> I don't get why these these conferences do that. Like, especially, I mean, they they couldn't have planned this in advance. But this is Coach K's, you know, last uh, ACC tournament. You know, this is going to be his last couple of games. You would presume that they're going to make a pretty far run in that. Why would you not put that in in uh, Greensboro like they always do, or like they they have in other years? You know, and and I mean, you're going to sell out either way. But, you know, the atmosphere just seems to be way better if it would be, you know, in North Carolina where it should be, not up here in Brooklyn where, you know, no one locally really cares about the ACC tournament. They're going to sell it out, of course, because it's Coach K's, you know, uh, farewell. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't get why they would come here. Why any of these, you know, the Big Ten when they came to the Garden a couple of years ago just doesn't make sense to me. And the Big Ten came a week early. They had to spend their team yeah. on the sideline for a week because the Big East had the rights that last week before the tournament started. So that would also make no sense. 
I, I almost didn't hate that one as much though, because it was, I mean, there was other conference tournaments going on, but they were almost like kind of standalone games. So it actually was kind of cool to, to see that, but it still made no sense to, to put the big 10 tournament a week early. And I don't, I hope they don't do that again. All right. Also back by popular demand after the last podcast, we're going to play the blind resume game because the bubble is such a mess. It's a very thin bubble. Would you, would you agree with that? I would agree. Yeah. There's a, a lot of average teams this year. All right. So, Last time I made some fancy graphics for it. This time I did, I got to save some time here. I checking out my friends over at bracketologist.com, which they have this very fancy feature here for compare resumes. And you can do it blind. So I'm putting it up on the screen for the YouTube <laughs> version. So we're looking here at I have five scenarios up here. Two, three have two teams, one has three, and one has four. So we're gonna go ahead and take a look at these. I'm gonna get your take on these teams. And you're gonna tell me who gets through for you. So so scenario number one okay. here. Team A. Their net is 26. Their overall record is 19 and 7. They are 13 and 1 at home. They are 5 and 1 on the road, 2 and 1 neutral courts, 4 and 7 in quad in quadrant 1 here. And team B, 39th overall in the net. They are 40 in Ken Palm. The other team is 22 in Ken Palm. Strength of record 27. They're 22 and 8 overall, 15 and 2 at home, 7 and 3 on the road. 0-3 on neutral floors, 1-7 against quad one. They have a quad four loss, which, you, which team A does not have. So of these two teams, who are you taking? I am definitely taking team A in this one. Uh, all of the metrics basically f- favor them. Uh, you know, I, I like that they have the four quad one wins as opposed to team B's uh, only one quad one win. Uh, and that quad four loss as well compared to the no quad four losses for team A. I'm definitely going to go with team A in this one. All right, so you're going with Team A here. So we're going to go ahead and turn the light on here and see what we learned at here. And Team A is San Diego State. who picked up the big win last night over Wyoming. And Team B is our favorite punching bag in North Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, this one's not even close. I, I mean, you know, it's like San Diego State. Look at that resume. They got a much better resume than uh, than North Carolina. I mean, you know, you and I have been on North Carolina all season long. Look at that resume. It's not that impressive. I mean, I guess the net is is okay. But, you know, a quad four loss, uh, uh, who's that, to, to Pitt? Yeah. You know, they, they got the one quad one win at this point. N- nothing about North Carolina's resume is really all that important. They're pro- or, or all that impressive, I should say. They're probably going to end up getting in, but they just don't have an impressive resume. And it's funny because certain bracketologists, who we are not going to name names here, <laughs> have North Carolina safely in the field while San Diego State's like a last 14 in, which I think makes no sense. Uh-huh. Makes no sense at all. And I think those guys have an agenda for sure. Yeah, I think there's there's a little bit of there's a little bit of money involved in that one. I would say, yeah, a little, <laughs> yeah. A little corporate interest involved with this. So we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna go to our next one here. I'm gonna share the screen again. This is blind resume pick number two, and the strength schedule numbers are not updated. That's why they're not in here. But I'm gonna say here, Team A, a net of 58. They are 64 in Ken Palm. They are 17 11 overall, 12 and five at home, five and three on the road, 0 and three neutral sites, three and six in quad one. Four and two in quad two, three and three in quad three. Then mm-hmm. team B here, net of 82. They have a 75 in Ken Palm. They are 16 and 12 overall, 13 and three at home, three and nine on the road, five and five in quad one, three and four in quad two, two and two in quad three, and six and one in quad four. So there are three losses below quad two. So with these resumes, which one would you like? You know, the metrics all seem to favor team or yeah, team A. Um, team B, though, has those, that really impressive five and five quad one record 
um, you know, eight and eight and nine in the top uh, or eight wins in the top two quadrants. I'm actually going to go with team B here. You know, the, the, the metrics don't seem to favor them as much, but the five quad wins as opposed to the three quad one wins uh, for team A, they do have the quad four loss, but I'm going to go with team B here actually. All right, so for Team B, you picked Rutgers over Oregon. Uh, I had a feeling it was Rutgers. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, they have the strangest resume in the world, Rutgers, right now. Um, the net obviously is where it's at because they lost so many. They, I think their net was like two thirty or something. Yeah. It was something incredibly low uh, in like January. So it shows the work that they've done uh, this season. And yeah, Oregon, you know, they're they're right there. You know, um, you know, they got a couple of quad one wins. Obviously. They, they, they have the better metrics, of course, but I, I would actually take Rutgers here. I, I'm, I'm happy with that pick. The thing I think that draws my attention here is why I would have leaned towards Oregon here is this mm-hmm. away record here where Rutgers is three and nine away from Jersey Mike's arena and Ruck, Oregon is one is five and three on the road in their game. So they're not playing the NCAA tournament Jersey Mike's arena, which is something you have to consider with Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a, a good point. They have not really picked up that you know, signature, signature, uh, a really, really impressive uh, road win. They got a chance to do it, though, uh, you know, against Indiana coming up. All right, let's go ahead now. We're going to blind resume number three. I do. I always love this game. This game is so much fun. I love it. <laughs> and this one. I love I, the reveals. The reveals are fun. I like they have the little eyebrow, the eyebrow yeah. switch so you can <laughs> see what's going on here. So let's go ahead to team number three and uh, prediction number three here. So okay. we are. Team A, the net is 37. Ken Palm is 38. They are 15 and 12 overall, 9 and 4 at home, 4 and 7 on the road, 2 and 1 in neutral sites, 4 and 8 in quad 1, 2 and 3 in quad 2, 5 and 1 in quad 3. Team B, mm-hmm. a net of 43. The Ken Palm of 42. They are 18 and 10 overall, 14 and 3 at home, 3 and 7 on the road. 1-0 neutral sites, 3-6 and six in quad 1, 3-4 in quad 2, uh, a perfect 4-0 in quad 3, 8-0 in quad 4. So of these two teams, who are you taking? You know, the, the metrics are all relatively similar. They obviously they favor uh, Team A in this one, but they're, they're, they're very, very close here. Team A is 15-12 and 12 overall. Um, you know, the quad 1 wins, they have the one more quad 1 win, but they've had three more opportunities in quad 1 games. The quad one and two wins are actually uh, the same. Uh, I'm going to take quad quad. Or I'm going to take team B in this one over team A. Uh, just you know, I, I I tend to not want to put a 15 and 12 team uh, in the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to take team B. And funny enough, these teams are both in the same conference. Team A is Michigan, and team B is Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would go Indiana over Michigan right now. Um, you know, yeah, Michigan's got, they've got 12 losses right now. They're three games over 500. Obviously we'll see how they, they finish out the season, but, uh, you know, I, I don't like putting teams that are only a few games over 500 in the, in the tournament. And like I said, the metrics are, are very, very close, uh, in, in this one as well. One thing I think it's also hurting that our exercise here is that for some reason, Brackdoss.com not have the strength of schedule figures in there and Indiana isn't squad, non-contract schedule is terrible. Yeah. Uh-huh. That is, that is also true. So maybe that would have swayed the decision a little bit. Um, but I mean, the rest of the metrics are, are very, very close for these two. All right. So now we're going to go ahead to a three team comparison here. So team a team B and team C, we're going to pick one of these to put through <laughs> team a, a net of 47, 58 in Ken Palm. They are 20 and seven overall 14 0 at home, six and five on the road. Oh, and two on neutral sites. They're two and two in quad one, four and three in quad two. Seven and one in quad three and seven and one in quad four. 
team B. A net of 49. They're 50th in Ken Palm. They are 18 and 9 overall, 11 and 4 at home, 4 and 4 on the road, 3 and 1 neutral sites, 5 and 6 in quad 1, 4 and 3 in quad 2, 3 and 0 in quad 3, 6 and 0 in quad 4. Last and not least, Team C, 51 net, 54 Ken Palm. They are 50, they are 18 and 11 overall, 12 and 4 at home, 3 and 6 on the road, 3 and 1 neutral sites, 2 and 8 against quad 1. Four and two against quad two, and they have a loss in quad four. So if you're picking one of these teams, who are you taking? Team B in this one is the only one that is without a quad four loss. Uh, team A has a quad three loss as well. Team B in the in the first two quadrants has nine wins. Uh, teams A and C only have six each. Uh, the metrics are all very, very similar here. So I would go with, with Team B with that impressive quad one record. Uh, I would take Team B here. All right, so to clarify here, Team B is TCU, Team A is SMU out of the American, and Team C is Florida. Interesting, very, very interesting. Uh, yeah, you know, I, like I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, like like we said, we've seen that they kind of favor the quad one wins. That five and six quad one record is, is impressive. That or five quad one wins is very impressive. When you got nine wins in the first two quadrants, um, I, I, that impresses me. You know, and that 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 definitely moves me more. And they have really avoided that bad loss uh, with no losses in, in the fi- in the final two quadrants either. Yeah, and I will also point out here, they have two games in a row with Kansas because they have the COVID makeup in there, so they could even add one more another quad one win to that ledger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's opportunities as well. Yeah, and that's that's an impressive resume for TCU. I actually didn't think it would look that good. Yeah, Florida doesn't look as good when you look at it up, up close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, compared to these other two, Florida looks like the clear – uh, third team in this as well with the with the quad four loss with the two and eight quad run record. Yeah, when you compare it to these two, Florida does not look good at all. No, they got to beat Kentucky this weekend. Uh huh. They that's a huge game for them. All right, the last one here, a four team extravaganza. We're gonna pick two teams out of these four to go to the field. So, Team A, they're twenty eighth in the net, twenty fourth in Ken Palm. They are twenty two and eight overall, twelve and four at home, seven and two on the road, three and two neutral sites, three and five in quad one. Five and two in quad two. They do a quad four loss. Team B, a net of 31. They are 29 in the Ken Palm. They are 21 and seven, 11 and two at home, eight and three on the road, two and two neutral sites, three and two quad one, two and four quad two, seven and one in quad three. No quad four losses. Team C, net of 41. Ken Palm of 35, 17 and nine overall, 12 and two at home, four and six on the road, one and one neutral sites, three and three quad one. Three and four quad two, seven and two in quad three. So a couple of quad three losses. Team D, 62 overall, 63 and 62 in the net, 63 Ken Palm. They are 29 overall, 10 and five at home, eight and two on the road, two and two in neutral sites, four and one in quad one games, four and five in quad two. They have three losses in quadrant three. So this is a very complicated puzzle to try and pick two out of. <laughs> Team A is going to get in for sure. Uh, they have that net of 28. That's, that's, you know, when you got a, a top 30 net, uh, that, that really, you know, plays in your favor. I know that they have the quad four loss, uh, but eight wins in the first, in the top two quadrants. So I would pick team a for sure. Um, and then in the other two, man, it's tough. I mean, I mean, team D has those three quad three losses. They've got eight, eight wins in the first two, uh, quadrants, but, uh, but three losses in, in a quad three, which is I'm sure hurting their net. Um, but you know what? I, I I I still value the the quad one and two wins. So despite having a couple of bad losses, uh, I might even go team D here. So I'm gonna I'm definitely going team A. And then it's it's really a toss up. The other three, I guess that's why we play the game. 
but uh, I guess I'd go I'd go Team D as well. All right, so Team A is San Francisco. Team D is the Miami Hurricanes. <laughs> oh no, we we picked an ACC school. This is so <laughs> not not on brand for us to, yeah. to do. I, I feel I feel a little embarrassed in myself now that I picked an ACC team. <laughs> the other two teams, Team B is Loyola Chicago, and Team C is Memphis. Yeah, I didn't think San Francisco's net would be that that high either. But they, yeah, they got those. I mean, they got eight wins in the in the first two quadrants. Um, you know, I, and I, I, looking at the teams, I would say probably San Francisco and Loyola Chicago should be in. Uh, maybe Memphis, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that I picked Miami actually. <laughs> yeah, well, they have the the eight and two road record also pops too when you look at it. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I, that that resume is not. I mean, the, the, the quad three losses are what brings down the net, of, of course. But that resume is not as bad as I maybe thought it was going to be, um, which I, I guess is why I picked it. But but uh, I, I think San Francisco, you know, look, look at that, that resume. That's an impressive resume for them. I would take all four of these teams over North Carolina tournament. Yeah. Oh, I agree, too. Yeah. I mean, just look at that. Look at the quad one and two for all four of these teams. You know, Loyola's got the least wins with uh, with five combined. Uh, the other two have eight and and, and six. Yeah, uh, you know, if you if you value the you know the performance in these quad one and two games, uh, all of those teams should be in over UNC for sure. Absolutely, that's the blind resume game for today. So that was certainly a lot of fun. And now we got mm -hmm. a last week of college basketball ahead of us here. So what are you looking forward to this week? What are you looking forward to ahead of the conference tournaments? Yeah, uh, Saturday, the last last Saturday of the regular season, it's going to be some some huge games for some teams. Uh, we mentioned Florida, huge game for them against Kentucky. You know, a game that they really, really need the Bulls for that tournament resume. Uh, Indiana, same thing. They got the big game against Rutgers coming up. They can win that. They go on the road against Purdue. That's two huge opportunities for uh, for Indiana to uh, to you know strengthen that resume a little bit and to you know try to lock up. And I mean, if they go two and zero, they're they're probably in the NCAA tournament this week. So we'll see about that. Uh, and then, of course, Duke and UNC. But um, you know, the nightcap. I'm a big West Coast guy. I'm a big late night guy. USC, UCLA, chance for UCLA to prove something to me here. Like I said, I've been high on them all season long. Uh, this is a chance for them to get a nice win over a USC team that's you know ranked right there with them at the top of the big uh, Pac-12. Uh, I've been high on UCLA all season long. Really would like them to show me something on Saturday, uh, Saturday late night against USC. Yeah, I'll throw also tonight on day of recording of the podcast. It's going to be out in your feeds a little later here that we do have basically two de facto conference title games for the regular season. You have Purdue and Wisconsin in the Big Ten. You have Arizona USC out in the Pac-12. So those two regulars in crown to be decided tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very, very excited for that Big Ten game tonight. Big, big game. Yeah, that's at 9 o'clock. Arizona's at 11 o'clock. And I will say on the weekend, too, some Arizona, I mean, Arkansas and Tennessee is going to be fun on Saturday. It's a, mm -hmm. good, a good game there. And I think in terms of just the Big Ten here, Michigan's got a huge week ahead of them. They got Michigan State coming in tonight. They got Iowa coming in on Thursday. They got Ohio State coming in over the weekend. So they can go two and one on that thing. I think they're a good spot ahead of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, they they need two wins there to, to really put themselves in a, in a in a in a good spot. I would say if they can go two and one, like you said, that's that's a, a big boost for them. And of course, we got to touch on Coach K's uh, final regular season game uh, at Cameron Indoor against against UNC. Of course, fittingly against UNC. Uh, I'm not the biggest Duke fan. I'm not the biggest uh, Coach K fan, but that's definitely going to be something to watch, uh, you know, seeing the tributes to him and seeing uh, their final game going up against our favorite team, North Carolina. Yeah, against our boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that would be so fitting for North Carolina, actually, to, to beat Duke in, in that game after what we've seen from them all season long. They go on the road in, uh, in Coach K's last game and knock off Duke. 
I will say though, if they win that game, they're in the tournament regardless of what they do in the ACC. Yeah. Because they yeah, have, it's a big, it's a huge game for them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because they have whacked that one win where they say, okay, we beat somebody who's definitely in the field. Because right now, I think their best win is over Michigan at home, which, eh, yeah, not great mm-hmm. considering we thought what Michigan actually ended up being here. But you go on the road, you beat Duke and Coach K's last game. They're gonna, I don't care what they do in the AC tournament, they're gonna be in the field. Yeah, I agree. That's that's almost a win in your in type game for them. Uh, so it's uh, you know along with all the you know pomp and circumstance for Coach K. Uh, it's, a, it's a big game for North Carolina. It's a must-win for North Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking some conference tournaments here, give you some stuff to watch in each of these big tournaments here. So, Charles, thank you for all the time. Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, if you follow social media, keep up with the Seeing Red podcast. Definitely. Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter, uh, at Troy Moriello. Last name is M-A-U-R-I-E-L-L-O. I do the Seeing Red podcast. We cover St. John's basketball. Uh, been a tough season for the Red Storm, but we're still out there putting out one episode a week. So definitely check that out. I'll be at the Big East tournament this week as well. Uh, so definitely check out my preview and recap of that. And uh, Mike, it's always a pleasure to be coming on. Absolutely, Troy. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. All right. That will do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Zach Brazil of the New York Post, for hopping on here, talking college basketball. Same to Troy Moriello. We just spent a lot of time talking college hoops. It is March. We're getting ready for championship week next week. We have some more college basketball coverage coming up. A lot of fun stuff indeed. If you want more stuff like this podcast, including my look at what the Jets could do in free agency, some areas they could look to address, check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. You also want to be check out what's going on over the Sky Guys podcast. We are doing a Star Wars character bracket for the month of March. This week we had a selection show. The Sky Guys, myself, Pete Constantino, Nick Bray, and our, our good friend Mike Brescia was the bracketologist. So we have 16 Star Wars characters reveal the field that we think We'll be in line to get the next Star Wars Disney Plus show. You know there's more coming. Check out that podcast over on the Sky Guys podcast. You can search for the Sky Guys on your favorite podcast platform. You can find that there. Let's follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. That's going to do it for this week. Coming up next, we're going to have a bonus episode coming up about the ramifications of the lockout. But you tuned also for more college basketball stuff next week. We're going to do some conference tournament previews, talk about the Big East specifically, and more. And I hope a better week for St. John's fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.